So I buy the ice cream every day. And, and I, I think, eat it. And mm. I think, Morgan will like this. And then I go, oh, I guess I'll have to eat it all. <laughs> so I eat it all before you get home. Hey, and welcome back to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, parenthood, publishing, and marriage. I'm Morgan Baden, and with me is my co-host and my husband, Barry Liga. Hi, Bear. Hello. How you doing? I'm good. Good. Did you, perchance, take a walk today? I took several walks today. You take a lot of walks. I, you know, today was a beautiful day. It's April Fool's Day, so it I is. think the weather was having us on, because the weather reports kept saying, it's going to rain, it's going to rain, it's going to rain. And then every time I checked, it was going to rain in a couple of hours, and ah. then a couple hours later, and then it never rained. Mm. So uh, so I and I walked a lot. Yeah. yeah. You take a lot of walks, generally. Yeah. I mean, first of all, we live in Brooklyn, and sure. obviously Walking people is a walk. Way of life. Right. But, you know, I you always, have a baby who yeah. used to only nap when she walked. Yeah. When we walked. Yeah. Not when she walked. <laughs> that would be quite a feat. <laughs> she was a sleepwalking baby. She couldn't walk when she was awake, but when she was asleep, she could walk everywhere. No, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I, I'm always trying to get out of the house, get some fresh air with her. And so, yeah, I often, any opportunity I have, I throw her in the stroller and we go out for a walk. Yeah. So do you find that walking um, helps with your writing? Um... That's a good question. You know, sometimes it does. Um, sometimes, and I'm not sure why, but maybe it's just a change of scenery or whatever. Well, I can tell you why. Ah, uh, you can tell me why. Okay, good. <laughs> no, so it was really So this funny. whole conversation was a setup. You didn't really care if I walked or not. Well, the, you, you I already know that you walk. But yes, I was trying to segue into this. Okay. So first of all, it was funny because a couple of days ago, um, a writer friend of ours tweeted something about how uh, she was she's a writer, so she went for a walk and... It helped her. You know, the things right. that she saw on her walk helped her. And I was like, hmm, I don't go for enough walks. Hmm. And then today I saw in a headline in Psychology Today that said, to become a better writer, become a frequent walker. And there's a long tradition of writers using walking as an, an inspiration tool or method or, or whatever for their writing. Right. Um, Thoreau said, methinks the moment my legs begin to move, my thoughts begin to flow. And J.K. Rowling said, nothing like a stroll to give you ideas. <laughs> so what was really interesting was in this article and then a few other that I saw as I was looking further into this, um, truly the act of light exercise like walking uh, reconnects some circuits in your brain. Hmm. That's a very scientific thing, by the way, that I yeah. just said. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but really, so, so it, it's doing a lot for you. So it's not just the the actual things that you're seeing, the, the people, the trees, the buildings, whatever, those are all contributing to your, your newfound inspiration too. But it's also a, a biochemical thing. Huh. Is that a, is that a word? Biochemical? Yes. That it is. is? Fa- okay, that good. is in fact a word. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's, there's actually like electrical stuff going on in your brain that helps you in turn, um, write better. Huh. Is it just writing that this improves? I'm curious. Does it improve, you know, cognitive function in general or is it right, just like, writing i don't know dancing this was not a real no comprehensive idea. article then it wasn't it was I I, did it, it explain it's why psychology today it's not that yeah did it explain why great ideas come to in the shower because that's another mystery it of is time. The, the shower and for me i mean you've seen this many times i will almost be asleep yeah and i will in my head in a flash write like an entire blog post or something that i've been you know a scene that i've been tr- struggling to figure out right. yeah and you know i mean there's a lot to say about that that's already known and that which happens is that, to me all the time too. yeah yeah that it's your back brain has been working this whole time and when you finally allow your brain to relax and and go into a a more zen place it comes to the surface which yeah. is great but 
anyway, so, um, so I'm curious, have you ever tried, like when you get writer's block, which I know we've talked about before and writer's block is not really a real thing in this house, but if you get stressed about your writing or you're not sure what to do next, have you ever like said to yourself, I'm going to go for a walk and, and work this out? I don't think I've ever consciously thought by taking a walk, I'll be able to work this out. Mm -hmm. But I know that there have been times where I've just said, this isn't working. I'm just going to go for a walk because nothing's working. (laughs) So I might as well just go stretch my legs. And I usually the theory isn't necessarily that I'll come up with something while walking, but that when I come back, I will feel refreshed and renewed and renewed and be able to to do something. I mean, I've done any number of, of things. I mean, I actually... This will sound very strange. It feels strange to say it, but, you know, for a while there, I was able to sort of program myself before I went to sleep to work on a problem in my sleep and wake up and it would be there. I mean, I had, there was a time close to maybe eight or nine years ago where there was a publisher that wanted me to come up with a couple of ideas for a character that they owned. And I said, sure. And we agreed to have a conference call on, you know, a Tuesday morning and I had nothing uh-huh. and I went to bed Monday night and I'm like, all right, I'm going to, this is <laughs> by morning, I'm going to have something. And sure enough, I woke up Tuesday morning with four or five ideas wow. and, you know, quickly wrote them down and then went and had the phone call. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I used to be pretty good at that, but I feel like I'm just too tired these days yeah. <laughs> to really take the time as I'm drifting off to do that because usually it's just my head hits the pillow and I'm asleep. Mm. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, I think, I think probably the worst mistake you can make when you're writing and having trouble is just forcing yourself to stay at the keyboard yeah, and keep pounding at the keyboard as if it's going to help. But it's also interesting because one of the general rules of writing is also button share. Yeah. So there's this, it, so it kind of feels like mixed messages and not, well, not on your part. I'm no, just saying well, it is a, no, but it is on my part too. But I mean, I, you know, I, I was going to sort of snarkily say everything in life is a mixed message. <laughs> and then I realized it's kind of true. So I don't have to say it snarkily. <laughs> um, you know, I, there were times, you know, when, when I was writing a lot more than I am now where I would suddenly just sort of hit a wall where it's not that I was blocked. I was just, I just couldn't function. Yeah. And I would spend a day or two or five playing video games and I would feel weird and guilty about that. And I had a friend I would talk to and commiserate with on these sorts of things. And I would say, you know, this is bad that I'm doing this. And she would say, no, like you need to recharge, you need to recharge the batteries. And that's what you do. And I, I think that's where you get into this conflicting advice where on the one hand it's butt and chair and on the other hand, it's don't force it. And I think I think the reason why we say button chair is because the people who need to hear button chair haven't done that. <laughs> they haven't done it enough. Yeah, you know, my yeah. old thing about you need to write a million bad words right. before you write anything worthwhile. They've written, you know, 10 bad words and they don't understand why it's not going well for them. It's like, no, you have a lot further to go. Stay in the chair. Once you've, once you've actually started to write things regularly, mm. I think it becomes important to give yourself breaks. Yeah. You've already proven you can do it. You know you can do it. There's none of that... There's none of that subconscious or conscious doubt of, gee, can I finish this book? You may be worried about finishing it, but there's a part of you that knows I've done I've done this before. I've done this before. And even if I can't finish this book, I'll finish another book. Yeah. You know? Um, And I think that's why there's these conflicting bits of advice 
and I can understand that can be very frustrating for for aspiring writers who are yeah. aspiring because they're hearing established authors say one thing when referring to themselves and their peers, and they're getting a different sort of advice aimed at them. Yeah, I think that's something to take into account: is who you know, which audience is this advice aimed for? Yeah. Well, so speaking of recharging, it's something I've been thinking about a lot. I've okay. been really stressed um, for for. A couple of months now, and I, it, it's been building. So I, I feel like, in particular, it's been the last month steadily. Living I'm with just... you is like living with a volcano, man. You <laughs> nice. just go off at any moment. I, so I've been told. Um, no, but really, and it's I'm feeling the stress affect me in ways that I've never allowed stress to affect me before. I'm not like a, a highly stressed person generally. So that's my job. It is. It is. So I've been trying to suss out why I'm feeling elevated levels of stress here. And part of it comes back to the beginning of this conversation, which is uh, basically taking walks yeah. and and stepping away from things and just allowing yourself that that miniature break. Um, and part of it is yoga, and part of it is walking, and you know, just exercise in general. And like I said, stepping away from devices. So, so that's something I'm actively working on right now. Uh, I took a yoga class last week. I'm trying every day at work to go out for 20 minutes just to circle the block, which is so nice when now the weather is, has changed a bit. Um, the other day, something happened at work and I was incredibly stressed and I was telling my friend slash coworker and she was like, maybe you should just go for a walk right now. And I was like, you're right. Like I need to do that. Um, which is, it sounds so dumb to say, but that's actually hard to do. Right. Every day when you're at work, it just is. So anyway, can I point out just for a moment, yeah. please, that we're recording on April 1st, yeah. just so people know April 1st is the, this year, it's the 40th anniversary of Apple computer being founded. Oh, right. And that it actually pertains to this conversation because you're wearing something on your wrist. I am. That I, helps you. That's with true. This sort of thing. Yeah. I bought an Apple watch the other day, partly because I've been watching you use yours. How long have you had it now? Um, Eight or nine months? Uh, I don't think it's been that long. Okay. It's been since right around my birthday, so about, oh, six, okay. about six months. Yeah, and I've been like, he gets a lot of enjoyment and use out of it. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, I, I, it's I really helpful for you. And so, as you know, we've been talking about me getting one for a while now, and I was sort of back and forth, and then the other day, here's a very nice, by the way, other thing you can do to recharge, which is go out for lunch with someone right. during the workday. You came into the city. We had an, a lovely lunch, and it was a beautiful day, and then we walked into the Apple store, and I I bought an Apple Watch. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Well, like the second I put it on my wrist, I've been obsessed with it. So I'm really excited about the fact that I'm even more excited to have it than I anticipated right. being. But one of the, per, yeah. pursuant to the conversation, like it, one of its functions is it tells you, hey, you need X number of minutes of exercise yeah. today. You need to burn X number of calories today. Yeah. Hey, you need to stand up every hour. Yeah. Which their science recently has indicated that standing every hour is not does not have the health benefits that we thought it did. Really? But let's face it. It's not the worst thing in the world once an hour to go, oh, right, I'm going to stand up from my desk and not, not think about what I'm working on and just yeah. stand up for a minute. Yeah. So. I mean, there are actually days where um, if I don't have any meet, any meetings in the building, they're just maybe phone calls or I don't have any meetings, where I've discover, discovered that I've been sitting at my desk, like, literally for four hours straight yeah. without moving. Yep. And I'll be like, oh, my God, like, yeah. I have to go move. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's been helpful every day so far, which is really cool. Good. Um but just generally, uh, something I saw on Twitter today was hashtag claim your days. And it was a lot of people talking about how they overcome stress or 
their acts of self-care and really just their sort of general, like my day is mine. Here are some of the things I do to make sure that I'm, I'm taking care of myself on a regular basis. So I was, I was just reading through and finding some interesting things and it was everything you'd expect from, you know, I go running or I take yoga or I get my nails done once a week or I make sure to sleep in on Sundays, whatever it was. But, um, how do you claim your days? You know, there are, I would say two things. The gym. Primarily. Number one, I go to the gym every day. You are really, my, but I have to say like my mom is so impressed by your dedication <laughs> to the gym only because she's seriously like, he goes to the gym every day. That's amazing. Like who does that? That's great. And you really, I, you're one of those people who like, you seize those opportunities. I, I, I go to the gym every day. I will be honest. I mean, I, I used to, you know, many pre-baby. years, many years ago, you know, pre baby, I would go to the gym every day. Um, you know, and, and then there was a period of time where I just didn't go, you know, I broke my foot a number yeah. of years ago and I obviously, you know, there was a period of about six to eight months where I couldn't do anything mm-hmm. and I sort of fell out of the habit. Um, but you know, going to the gym every day began in, in the modern era, in the post baby era, quite frankly, as a way of getting away from the baby for an hour. Yeah, yeah, because, like a break. Because uh-huh. I could, you know, they have free childcare there for an hour. Mm-hmm. You can leave your kid for an hour. And I was like, oh, for one hour, I don't, I'm not responsible, you know? <laughs> and that's, and that's how, you know, I'm not proud to admit that, but no, it was like, that break. Uh-huh. it was like, okay. And if, 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 if the, uh, if the strings attaches that I have to work out, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Truthfully, going to the gym, I hear a lot of people talk about endorphins. I hear a lot of people talk about how great they feel after a workout. I have to be honest with you. I do not feel any different or any better after a workout. But, but my theory, and I don't want to test this, my theory is that if I didn't go, I'd feel a lot worse. Interesting. So I think it keeps me on an even keel as opposed to giving me any sort of a a high or a bump. It keeps me from, it keeps, it it doesn't raise me up. It keeps me from sinking down. Yeah, yeah. So that's what it does for me there. The other thing that I do every day is I go to the grocery store. Um, You know, my, my paternal grandmother was a big fan of you go to the store every day and you buy fresh produce and all that stuff. European shopping. Definitely. She didn't live in Europe, but (laughs) that was, you know, her, her mother did and her mother lived with her and that was what she did every day. She went to the store. When I was a kid, I thought that was the weirdest damn thing. I I did not understand it all. Like grandma, just go and buy everything all at once. What is wrong? Go once a week and buy the freaking Lunchables and frozen meals. Exactly. And we're fine. Yeah. Yeah. I never understood that as a kid, but now I get it. You know, living in in New York, certainly where everything's within walking distance. Well, Uh, and also food culture has changed, of course, for the modern American family. Sure. So, you know, I I enjoy that. I go to the grocery store pretty much every day, and uh, I'm always surprised by how many things I need to buy every day. It is remarkable. You'd think every now and then there's a day where it's like one thing, but (laughs) but usually it's it's quite a list of things. Yeah. Um, So I do that, too, and that's nice because, as we said at the top of the show, it gets me out of the house for a little while. It gets the baby out of the house for a little while. And it's just, it's nice to do. I I listen to a podcast or I I call a friend and and chat Mm -hmm. with a friend while I'm, you know, for the 15 minutes it takes me to get to the store. Yeah. And that's, that's nice. Yeah. Um, You know, I would say one of the other ways I claim my days. Yeah. Believe it or not, you and I both have Bluetooth speakers in the shower. Oh yeah. One of my favorite things to do is I usually shower at night because of the baby. Um, put like blare some music through my Bluetooth and take a long shower. Yeah. And that is like such, it's so stupid and cliche to say yeah. like Calgon take me away. But seriously, it's, you know, I blare my Taylor Swift or my Carly Rae Jepsen and 
have no, really. It, it, you know, I, I got to say, you know, I, I bought you that Bluetooth speaker because uh-huh. you were bringing your phone into the bathroom while you were showering uh, yeah. and putting it right next to the shower so you could hear it. And I'm like, oh, that is that is just no, not in my house. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'll say to anybody listening, if you're doing that, just seriously, you can get one of these Bluetooth speakers. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's like 20 bucks. Skip skip the Starbucks for a couple of days and just awesome, treat yourself. Really. Yeah. It, it, it is. It's terrific. Um, you can apparently also use your phone through them, but I really suggest you not do that. Because I have done that though. Talking to people on the phone while you're naked and bathing is a little weird. I, I, think. I did it. Oh, that's, no one knew. That's strange. That's strange. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, no, that, that that's true. You know, those those ten fifteen minutes in the shower playing the music you want to listen yeah. to. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I want to segue into parenting. Okay. Uh, I saw something this week on Twitter and then you sent it to me as well. And then I tweeted it again today. Cause it turns out I hadn't tweeted it earlier. Um, it's from the Atlantic and it was the Alan Kasdan method for making your children behave. Uh, this article was mind blowing to me. It really was. Yeah. But the, it's the last two sentences that blew my mind, uh, but also reminded me of what we've talked about before where our friend Beth said, the thing about disciplining your kids is that it's not about disciplining your kids. It's about disciplining yourself. Right. So this, uh, this isn't a spoiler cause it's a, I mean, I don't think it's a spoiler. I'm sorry if it is spoiler alert, but the last sentence of this article from the Atlantic is we don't change their children. We change the parents so they can change their children. Right. So it's this doctor, I believe a psychologist talking about, um, he's a, a, a parenting slash child psychologist and he, his clients run the gamut. So it's terrible parents who like, you know, there's the very small percentage of parents who are abusive. Then there's a small percentage of parents who just get everything right and know exactly what to do immediately and are wonderful parents. But of course, most of humanity lies Falls in the vast in middle. Right. So he's talking about that middle and everything from, uh, you know, our, my toddler has 45 minute long tantrums. I can't figure out how to get him to stop help versus um, my teenager won't talk to me or, or cause me terrible names. Right. How can I deal with her or whatever? So it was this really great Q and a with this doctor and, and his method basically. Yeah. The, I mean, the upshot of this, it, it makes so much sense when you think about it, yeah. you know, because it's all about positive reinforcement as yeah. opposed to negative reinforcement and modeling. It's about yeah, modeling. And, 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 and the, yeah. the thesis is basically punishment doesn't work and punishment has never worked Yeah, and punishment will never work. So even if you do like, uh, those, you know, the sort of new age, gentle punishing of like, I love you, but that was naughty. And you need to go sit in your bedroom for 10 minutes right. without your toys. But I love you. Like yeah. he's saying that doesn't work either. Yeah. That's not what should be happening here. Um, what he is saying should be happening is I'm just going to quickly recap this, yeah. this one example, which is if you've got a toddler having a tantrum, um, you, that you sit down with your kid and you say, let's play a game. I'm going to pretend to not give you this piece of chocolate you want. You're going to pretend to have a tantrum or to be upset about it. And, but this time during this pretend game, you're not going to bite your sister or right. hit me, whatever the, whatever the problematic behavior is, you're not going to drop to the floor and thrash your arms and legs about. So obviously it's very customizable to the problem that you're experiencing. So you end up playing this game with your kid on a regular basis. So they said it takes a couple of weeks for this to, to click, but, um, your kid will eventually realize like in the course of playing these games, when he or she has a real tantrum, She's going to stop those behaviors. Well, because what you do when you play the game, 
part of the game is, as you said, deleting the really problematic parts. Mm-hmm. And then you and then praise the kid. It, right. You say, you say, that was a great tantrum. I'm so proud of you. That you was such a... You didn't hit your sister. You didn't hit your you sister. That yeah. was such a wonderful tantrum. Oh, my gosh. That was so great. You can do and it. And then, yeah. yeah, they start to... Because subconsciously, they crave that approval uh-huh. and that and that praise. The next time they throw a real tantrum... They're gonna. They're going to self-delete the really problematic aspects right. because they're. They want. They want you to to yeah. approve of the way they're having a tantrum. Yeah. It was and so it's, genius. It's mind blowing. Yeah. yeah, I also really like the teenage example. Of, oh God, yeah. Um, like if you've got a, a a kid at the dinner table, for example, who said calls you name or just doesn't want to be there or is being very sullen and won't talk. Um, just at one point during dinner, look at the kid and say, I'm really glad you could join us. It's really nice having you at this meal. Right. And like, say it serious, like mean it, you know, you're not yeah. mocking them or anything and just leave it at that. And, you know, don't require a conversation, but just acknowledge that they're there and that them even being there is a, is a step for them and that you're grateful for it. So I don't know. Yeah. There was a lot to do. Yeah. It was a very cool article. Yeah. I'm putting that one in, in my pocket. That will be in the show notes and we need to bookmark that one or print it out or something, yeah, tattoo seriously. it on our forehead so that we can see it, it when is the funny. time comes. I've got several parenting books. Actually, I should dig them out. Um, cause I'm sure there's toddler stuff in there and we have a toddler <laughs> now. Have a toddler. So, um, but I never thought I'd be someone who reads parenting books only because I have such fantastic parents who never read parenting books, but like, I like to read books about things. So I'm going to, you know, read some more parenting books. (laughs) So it's funny. Um, let's do a writing update. Do we have to? Um, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm doing some final, uh, tweaks slash revisions to my novel. Uh, you know, heard back from my editor with just a couple things to do that I'm going to be looking at over the weekend. And, uh, and then that'll be that. And I will start working on a new novel. Um, what else? Uh, there's a lot of things up in the air right now. There's a lot, you know, my, we have a lot of things up in the air regarding life. Well, right yeah, now. but you know, my poor agent, I counted the other day and she has seven, <gasps> different potential projects of mine that she's juggling right now. Wow. When I say projects, I don't mean manuscripts. Yeah. But there is, you know, well, there are several possible things that could be happening. I don't want to get into any specifics. I don't even want to be general about it because honestly, of the seven, who knows if any of them are even going to pan out, but she's actively working on all of these things. And and that's really weird because any one of them could pop and any one of them could also just disappear at any time. Yeah. So, you know, I'm proceeding with the assumption that none of them are going to happen. I am continuing. Yeah, I'm moving on to my next project as if none of these things are going to happen, but any one of them or any combination of them could suddenly happen in any moment. And I would literally have to drop everything to work on mm-hmm. whatever yeah. these things are. So do you think we'll that's see. the key to like, mentally surviving being uh an independent author like just knowing that at any moment any of these projects could could fail or like not happen but also on the flip side at any moment anything something huge could come up and change things every year every year i sit down with our accountant to do our taxes and he says to me how much are you going to make this year? Because he's trying to figure out what to pay Uh for estimated taxes and i say well i know i'm going to make x yeah but I could get a yeah. call from Hollywood saying they've decided to make the I Hunt Killers trilogy into movies, and suddenly that's a lot more money. Like, yeah. I, there's no way to know. And it's 
the the best thing the best thing to do is just to try not to think about it yeah. until you have to think about it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's stuff going on where, you know, if I stop to think about it, I want to call my agent and say, "So what's going on with Project X?" Mm-hmm. Which is stupid because if anything had happened, she would call me to tell me. Yeah. It's not like she's going to say. I just got an offer of $5 million to turn this book right. into a movie, but I was going to call you next week. Yeah. Like, she's going to call me right away. Right, yeah, I was going right, to yeah. call you later in the day. Like, that's <laughs> not going to happen. She's going to call me right away. So, there's really no point to thinking about yeah. it. Um, but, God, that's hard. It's very hard. Mm-hmm. It's very hard. And the key is staying busy. So, I am looking forward to getting, getting, diving back into uh, writing something. Yeah. Um, you know, as soon as I've got this other thing finished and hopefully, um, I, I thought this would happen with this show, but it has not. Hopefully with the next show, we will be able to announce what this new book is that I wrote and that I've been revising um, because I think, uh, the contract should be settled by then Awesome, and uh, we can announce it. Cool. This is a book that just can, makes me sob constantly and I can't read it anymore. (laughs) I've read it fully twice now and... Real talk, like I don't know if I'm going to read it again. No, I, I, I think twice was probably one and a half times too many. But um, so yeah, we will we'll we'll talk about that next week, hopefully. Um, but that that's all that's going on with me right now. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of stuff floating around out there, wrapping up some revisions, and then um, and then moving on and, and starting to write something new. Cool. Yeah. What about you? Um, yeah, I don't have too much of an update other than, um, I think I said this last week, I sent out my revisions to two agents. I also queried a few more, um, got some requests. So, you know, things are moving along. Uh, it is fascinating though, looking at my query spreadsheet for this manuscript. Um, I mean, we've said this before, the system is so clearly broken, but to see the numbers, like the dates of, of when you've submitted things and what's still open. Right. It is uh, unbelievable. Like, I just don't know any other industry where this is acceptable. You know, it's, I I mean, it's just, and I, it's, that's one of those things where I try to be like, I can't think about it because I, I get too angry about it. Not because I'm getting rejected or anything like that, but because it's these open emails. It, it, it's an existential anger. It it's is. Not a speci- yeah. It's not yeah, specific yeah. to you. It's just, this is how it works. Right. Really? Like, no, I get that. And it's like, it just feels like it would be miserable to be an agent where you have that much email that you actually can't respond to it. Right. And then you've got literally hundreds of people angry with you. Like, yeah, that just, that the karma. feel karmically good. <laughs> I yeah. know, exactly. I feel for them. I, you know, my agent, I remember when, uh, when we went out with the proposal for after the red rain, yeah, which was not called after the red rain at the time, but anyway, uh, so Peter and Rob and I have you ever disclosed what it was called? Um, I don't think I have. I, yeah. I will. I don't think okay. it's, it was yeah. called a boy named Rose, mm-hmm. which I loved. I thought it was a great title, but anyway, so we went out with after the red rain we sent it to people and Peter and Rob were getting sort of antsy. They were like, why haven't we heard from anybody? What's taking so long? And my agent had to explain to them, guys, <laughs> this isn't Hollywood. Well, it's not that it's not Hollywood. It's this is publishing. They have to read yeah. the entire thing and then they have to get somebody else to read it and somebody else to read it. And that takes time because, you know, you can read 
a two hour long screenplay in an hour. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, screenplays are very quick reads. Yeah. Now, obviously, you're not fully absorbing it at that speed, but you can do it yeah. and get a sense of it. You can't do that no. with, 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 a with, a, with a novel, you know? And so I think that is part of why this industry, why you, know, you use the word broken. Uh, I, I think that's why just everything takes so long. Mm-hmm. I think that's why it's more complicated than it seems like it should be. Yeah. Because everything just takes forever because yeah. it's it's so much reading. It's eighty thousand words, <laughs> uh-huh. and it's got that's got to be read on top of everything else that has to be done. Yeah. And multiple people have to read it and talk about it and compare notes and yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So a good friend of mine has uh, a baby who's I think four months old now. And she's on vacation right now with her husband and his family and at the beach. And she shot an email over today saying, um, vacation is wonderful. The baby's being amazing. And quote, it's really awesome having so many other people to hold the baby. (laughs) Yeah. And I immediately was like, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. I, I will never forget our first Thanksgiving with Leia. She was what? A month and a half. Not even. No, she was like a month. She was a month. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was giddy that entire Thanksgiving. Like, and I think we, That's I can't remember if we stayed overnight. Like, well, you were sleep deprived yeah, and, yeah. and hormoned up. But because for the first time it occurred to me that like when you're with family, you get a break. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just this really funny thing of like. Oh, right. It's really important to be around other people when you have a new baby, right. even though it's like that feels antithetical to what, like, I don't know. It, I remember at the time thinking like, no, we should be hunkering down alone in our house with this newborn trying to figure our lives out. Right. And instead, I think actually you should be surrounded by a lot of people who can take the baby for you. So <laughs> it was just, a, I don't know. It was a really funny thing. No, it's definitely, I mean, there's no question that it is... It's always good to have another pair of hands, especially when they're, when they're really, yeah. you know, like right now, when I come home from the grocery store with Leia, you know, we come inside and I go unpack the groceries and she runs She's around playing. and plays yeah. and that's fine. And as long as I keep one eye on her, yeah. it's no big deal. But before, yeah, you, you know, I come that, home yeah. and it's like, okay, is she going to lay down in the crib for five minutes while I unpack the groceries or is she going to freak out and I'm going to have to hold her and let the ice cream melt. Right. Yeah. And you just never knew from one day to the next. Does that mean that you're buying ice cream without telling me? Because there's no ice cream in this house, Barry Liga. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't, there's no room in our freezer to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) And that's true. Listeners, there is no room in our freezer. So I buy the ice cream every day and and I I think, and Mm. I think Morgan will like this. Then I go, Oh, I guess I'll have to eat it all. So I eat it all before you get home. (laughs) All right. Well, with that, we're going to go make an ice cream run. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Visit us online at writinginreallife.com and subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, please give us a rating. We hope you have a great week. Thanks so much. Thanks, everyone.